Broadcasting from another dimension, deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest, filled with Ghost Scouts, sending you secrets from the future. Directly into your motherfucking mind. <laughs> what up, everybody? We are back finally. I know it's taken a minute to get episode 44 of the Go Shrimp and Friends podcast to you um, with none other than very special guest, Ghost Scout Mystery Sack, aka Jared D. Weiss. From year two, way back in year two, he's OG. And this is a real fun little combo that we had today. Um, we, My family was camping uh, last weekend over the 4th of July weekend for Wolf's 7th birthday on Burton Island. We had a very nice five nights uh, camping out as a family, wholesome family vacation, you know what I'm saying, just hanging out in the woods with your family, it's good, um, that's a shout out to Mayor, saying that I sing good songs on the podcast, one of the cadets said, hey, you should throw up a little page of just the little ditties that you do on the podcast, and I thought, you know, I do do some ditties on here, I done did some ditties up in here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, yes, Ghost Scout training camp is in full effect, but wait, I'm getting ahead of myself, we were camping out as a family, having a good old time, fishing, swimming every day, my parents came out, my brother and his pregnant wife came out, um, and we just had a good, good old time. And then we got back and I had to scramble, uh, super quick to put back together the, or, or finish, uh, building the new kitchen area in the house, which I've been doing some documenting on. So you'll see that in the mini sods on the Patreon. Um, just been in full swing, you know, ever since Wolfie's been out of school, it's been pretty crazy. He's been home for summer vacation, obviously. It's been super great, but, uh, very busy here with all the camping trips. We've taken three camping trips since he got out of school two months ago, which is insane. And, uh, or he was in school for the first one, actually. But, uh, yeah, everything's just been flying along. And I had to come back and put this kitchen back together, get the water back inside, get the LP hooked back up to the fridge and the stove. We were, had a temporary outdoor setup while I was uh, relocating our kitchen and starting to put it in its final form, which is really fun to see the house progressing along and shit getting finished. You know, I've done a lot of building and rebuilding, and it's really fun to get to finishing some stuff. This is really why I wanted a homestead in the first place, to really have fun building a house for my family and myself and it's happening it's happening today it's happening tomorrow time does not exist so just do what the fuck you want with your life bitch shout out to mayor uh all the way from india this kid came in it's incredible we got a cadet from switzerland shout out to tim all the cadets, we got a really strong group. I'm really excited about this. So I wrapped up the kitchen stuff, and then the then then we uh, 
the cadets arrived the next day, Friday the 13th, which was yesterday. And of course, we hit some work. We were cutting down some trees when they got here, and we were they were throwing brush in the brush pot in the brush fire. And uh, that's how we like to start it off with a little bit of elbow grease in the Goshrim National Motherfucking Forest. And uh, we crushed a couple hours of cutting and burning. We're going to be using those materials next year to build. Ghost Scout Training Camp always starts with harvesting materials, harvesting logs for next summer. You know what I'm saying? What we're building with now is cut previously and dried. We debark it all during camp and then we set it up to dry because that's how you do it. That's how we do it. We don't know what we're doing, but we know we're doing it. And that's a motherfucking fact. You can take that to the fucking bank and smoke it. Because weed's legal in Vermont now, bitches. Ha, ha, ha. Today during the work share at Ghost Scout Training Camp. Just passing around a little bowl. Just smoking a little weed now. Because it's motherfucking legal. You know what I'm saying? Everybody thinks we were always smoking here. We always have been smoking. But we had to keep it separate for uh, liability purposes. Safety first. At Go Scout Training Camp. And setting a good example, being good role models. What the fuck are we talking about? Go Scout Training Camp is in full effect. I'm fucking stoned. I'm fucking tired. We had a cookout last night. And uh, it was very fun. We have, we, we have a great group. This is going to be such a fucking fun year. Such a fun, such a fun three weeks. In this glorious summer, in the year of our Lord, 2018, Hollow Earth, NASA Flat World Government time. It's definitely getting spooky. The camp started on Friday the 13th. That kind of freaks me out. We'll see. Tim's bag got delayed. That was kind of spooky. It just arrived today. Tomorrow we are going on the infamous Fire Tower hike at Elmore State Park. And then swimming. They were all day drawing today. And then Monday, we are hitting those logs again and getting into the weekly schedule. You know, that's how we like to do it. Just keep it nice and tight, high and tight. We have a movie night tomorrow night. This is the this is the lineup tomorrow. Wake up, work out, 6 a.m., eat breakfast, in the car, 7-ish, driving over to Elmore, hiking the fire tower, coming down for lunch, getting some lunch at the little corner store there. And then spending the day at the motherfucking beach. And then coming back for a shack cookout in the VI motherfucking P-Zone. Okay, we're talking about the VIP. And then we have a movie night. That's how we do it in the Gosham National Forest. That's how we do it at Year 7 of Ghost Scout Training Camp. And it's fucking glorious. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Very excited to cover it on the podcast. Um, very excited to be documenting it. You know, I'm already shooting behind the foreskins of camp. I got to sit down and get a bunch of stuff up. Like I said, I'm just from really catching up. That's why it took so long to get you this podcast. And I uh, really haven't been doing much on social media lately because I've just been cramming in all the shit. So going to be showing up on there you're gonna see some new footage it's gonna be amazing and i'm working on uh that aforementioned sticker logo for topher for at topher on instagram who makes sick ass glass pipes 
uh, really fun piece I'm doing for him. And uh, he is working on a custom Beehive Boy glass pipe as part of the payment, which I fucking love. We got a little cash considerations and we got a little custom pipe considerations and another pipe to boot. So we're going to be in good shape here on the glass pipe front and uh we're posting up that new work pretty soon i got it all drawn out uh, over the last couple of days since i've been back and i'm gonna be inking it um this week and posting it up and then probably doing a little more stuff on the beehive boy comic uh what else let's see that's about it. So uh, let's see. Without further ado, let's kick it over to my man A Wall One. <laughs> All right, here we are once again back in the Skype format with the long-awaited, long-anticipated uh, episode of the Ghost Shrimp and Friends podcast with... A very special guest, Mystery Sack, a.k.a. Jared Weiss. Welcome to the podcast, Jared. Hello. Uh, took us three weeks to get here, but we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but you got a lot of shout-outs along the way, so we've been building the hype, which is good. Well, I hope people aren't underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I was trying to remember when we first connected. Do you remember when we first connected? Uh, yeah, um, probably around like 2009, 2010, I was like super into Flapjack and weird on the internet. And I basically like friend requested people that like storyboarded on the show. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so I think I somehow figured out what, cause you had like Ghost Scout Leader as your Facebook username at the time. Oh yeah. That was cool when they let you make the monikers. Yeah, and so I think it was just, like, through that I friended you, and, like, eventually, like, you liked one of my, like, illustrations, and, like, at that time, I was like, oh, shit, Ghost Shrimp likes my stuff, and that was, like, <laughs> a weird, cool form of validation at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it kind of just sort of started with all that, and then, like, by the time I started working on my thesis film, which was like 2011, um, I sort of consulted or you consulted me, um, with like background design suggestions and stuff like that, which was like crazy helpful at the time. Right. Oh, so, so you emailed me, you were like, Hey dude, can I, can you, uh, give me some feedback on this project I'm working on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And so, like, that, like, the stuff you suggested at the time, like, sort of made me rethink how to approach background design. And it's, like, it's cool and amusing in a weird way. Like, when I've come back to camp and stuff and you're, you know, discussing your uh, process 
on background design to sort of hear a lot of those similar things again about like, um, you know, everything in that world has a purpose and like, you know, where does this character sleep? Where do they go to the bathroom? Yeah. What is their like daily routine and what part of their environment connects to that? Yeah. And you know, that's, that stuff's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. The storytelling aspect, that's always my favorite thing to do with the backgrounds is to, to fill out the story a little bit and then also do like a story beyond a story and start to get some random stuff in there that really makes you start to like wonder like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Like that's the funnest stuff to me. Like, like putting unexpected things in like familiar locations and uh, you know, there's so many fun ways to use. I think a lot of people think a background is just really a background. It's an afterthought. It's kind of a frame to the, characters and stuff but really there's no reason that it can't have as much character as the characters if not more because you certainly have more to play with and you don't have to worry about moving it around and animating it so really the background you know there's so much potential for a background to you know really make you know uh, make something so much richer and better i'm surprised there's not i mean in, in, in a lot of stuff there is like obviously miyazaki gets that you know a lot of these masters know that but Totally. But yeah, it's fun. That's cool, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, I always, I always like helping people out. I always like, uh, you know, writing, writing back to people and all that. So that's cool. And it's fun when then you actually become friends with them. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if we had like met before that or something like that. I couldn't remember if if you just emailed me or if we had like met in New York City at like a con or something like that. No, I, I like, even to this day, like a lot of people that I connect with the most are people I met online and, or haven't even met. Right. 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 I mean, this is like kind of a weird segue, but like, for instance, I also art direct for a small music label, otherworldly mystics. Mm -hmm. Um, the guy I run it with, I met him through DeviantArt. And we've like run this music label since 2011 and I've never even heard his voice. (laughs) That's hilarious. You guys have never even Skyped or anything. No. Wow. That's so funny. But it's worked. I mean, you know, he's like scored two of my films. I've produced a lot of artwork for that label. So it, you know, it's, it's definitely like a weird 21st century form of, interaction but i don't think it's a bad thing yeah 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 um yeah i was gonna talk about that so that's all tapes right that's all cassette tapes yeah so we sell cassettes and they come with digital copies through Bandcamp, mm-hmm. but we don't sell digital only because basically the way we decided is like the artists retain all their rights so we shouldn't be selling you know, unlimited digital versions of their work. We just sell a limited batch of tapes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And what kind of music is it? Um, it kind of varies. It's mostly like ambient and electronic stuff, but we've had a couple like shoegaze bands and um, some acoustic stuff. And sometimes it's a little blended together, but it's mostly, I would say, electronic yeah yeah and you do kind of like uh retro sci-fi artwork for it Mm, depends i mean there's there's compilations that we put out where i'm like the sole 
artists. Mm-hmm. And those are specifically, yeah, retro sci-fi designed. Um, when it comes to the actual artists, I like them to propose something first mm-hmm. so that you know, they're in control of their own album. Yeah. But, you know, I offer suggestions and I'll do the layouts if they don't have the capabilities of doing so and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love doing album covers. You like that? Have you done album covers outside of that, like for other other people? Um, I've attempted to, um, I, I have a bad habit of like not keeping up with the industries <laughs> that I want to be a part of. Yeah. I like tend to stay in my own bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done artwork for other labels, but it's for my friend Chris that runs otherworldly mystics. So it's like, we're doing work for other albums, but it's still with somebody I know. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but if anyone wants some album art, yeah, holla! <laughs> so you are you're currently in Los Angeles, California, but you are a Jersey boy, right? I am originally from Jersey. Yes. Yep, and uh, you went to school at SVA. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how was the uh, what was the decision to head out west? Well. Um, so I graduated in 2012 and prior to that, the only work experience I had was a post-production internship on Xavier Renegade Angel, mm-hmm. which was, <laughs> I remember that show, which is like, it was like a two week job because they were finishing up the series. Yeah. Um, but that was my favorite show at the time and it's still one of my favorite shows because it's so out there but the writing is really on point yeah um and through that internship the uh, line producer she worked at augenblick studios as well and i got an internship working on ugly americans which was on comedy central and really at that time like Augenblick was like the only studio in New York that was like doing shows. Right. And then like end of my senior year, Titmouse New York started, but there was some like, I don't know, controversies, I guess, with how they were paying people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the content that they were also producing, I just wasn't really interested in at the time. And so I sort of spent that year after graduation putting my thesis film uh, transmission into more festivals than I probably should have. I like in hindsight realized I spent a lot of money on festival registrations and I've learned from that. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, I sort of spent that year just like working part time um, and using that money to sort of be my own producer um, for festival stuff. And I got, I got hit up by Fox ADHD that summer after graduation, but for multiple reasons of stuff going on at home and all that, I wasn't comfortable um, moving out mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sort of like 
kept me on their books, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so that summer was also Ghost Camp, the first one. Right, and I invited you to the first one, right? Yeah, you invited me, and I was like, it sounds really cool, but I I wasn't sure what I told you at the time. Because uh-huh. my real reason was just like, I don't know how to explain this to my parents. And, <laughs> I, and I don't have a car. Um, like I right, right. didn't have my own car until I actually moved out here. Right. Um, so it was just like a weird thing. It was just like, I was too stressed out of like, how do I explain? <laughs> like, yeah, this guy who worked on adventure time has some land and he wants like six people to go up and camp there for a month. It was just like, you know, cause that was the first year. So there was nothing online as to like who you are, what this is. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I was completely just made. I mean, I had, it was floating around in my head obviously. And we had had the, the previous Ghost Scout summits in New Hampshire and stuff like that. But yeah, as far as that was, I was just like, I can remember just thinking it up and being like, ah, I'm going to start a Ghost Scout training camp this year. And I was just in my parents' basement and I like posted on Facebook, like (laughs) the first annual Ghost Scout training camp, like apply now, like in two weeks, like it was like super short notice. And I think, yeah, I reached out to some people that I knew that I thought might be into it. I think you, I think I might have reached out to Caleb because I was like following his work online or maybe we were talking or something like that. And maybe Andrew, I can't remember, but, uh, or Fitzy probably because I already knew Fitzy. Um, right. From the, the phase one era. Right, right. Yeah. We had actually hung out in real life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Before there was like training camp, we had like, you could apply to be a Ghost Scout, but there was like nothing to do. Like we didn't have a place or anything. So it was like, right. you'd be like phase one. And I don't even remember what the ideas were, but there was like a couple phases to becoming a Ghost Scout. Yeah, I don't even remember what they were, what the, what the, <laughs> what the idea was. I, I can't remember if I gave people missions. I think I might have like give, mailed people like missions to accomplish or something like that. I forget. It was <laughs> really wacky. But then, yeah, so when we got here, I was like, oh, we're going to do it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I remember telling Athena, and she was like, what? <laughs> I don't think anybody understood what it was in the beginning. And uh, certainly weird that, yeah, we're sitting here today. Today yeah. is the second day of Ghost Scout Training Camp Year 7. So everybody's up there drawing away. Oh. And uh, it's totally fucking insane, dude. I cannot believe it. We had our first cookout last night. Everybody arrived yesterday. We had our first cookout last night. And, uh, yeah, man, we're just it just starts all over again. <laughs> it's totally crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so, you had, so you declined the first one, but then you came the second year. Yeah, the second year, yeah. I at least had, like, some photographic evidence that this was a real thing. Yep. <laughs> and I still didn't have a car at the time, so my parents were like, well, we're going to drive you. Oh, that's right. They dropped you off. To camp. And I also, like, I kind of, like, sold it to them as an internship. Right. Which, it, like, kind of ended up being, in a way. Yeah. I up, it's a very like, unorthodox internship. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it worked out. Um, And, yeah, I think it was just from that whole experience, um, that was, like, sort of my motivator 
um, to start like setting the wheels in motion to sort of change what I was doing because I was working at a movie theater for like six years at that time Mm -hmm. and like they were chill with me you know taking a month off and all that because it's you know a whatever part-time job but um yeah after camp I quit that job so I started working at a camping store and then like three months after that I um I hit up ADHD again or they hit me up I don't really remember um because they were starting another show at the time uh, Stone Quackers, and um, they wanted me to come out and work on that. Yeah. So I sort of made the decision. It was because, like, after camp, that was when I got my car, and um, sorry, I sort of lost track. But yeah, I was just, I was just more independent at that point. So yeah, it. You know, it became a thing of like, well, I don't want to just like fly out and suddenly start working. So I drove cross country, which prior to that drive, I barely did any highway driving. So (laughs) that was an interesting experience, but I pulled it off. No problem. I was like driving like 12 hour days and made it here. Oh, my God. Alone. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's dangerous. It was chill, though. Yeah, did I, did you have any super weird experiences on the road trip? Um, I didn't really. I mean, because I was doing those crazy hours, I didn't really stop much. Yeah. Um, the only thing I stopped to see was the house from Breaking Bad in Albuquerque. Oh, that's cool. And like, I sort of like parked a distance away and just like looked, took a picture, and got out. But like, the people that actually live there definitely hate people right and i don't blame them because like other people would drive by and like sort of be you know nuisances in front of you know someone's property so i don't know why anyone would choose to live there but they do and i think like recently like they had to like put up something so that people would stop throwing pizzas on top of the house oh my god like (laughs) sounded like a nightmare for whoever has to that's gross there's just like rotting pizzas on your roof yeah that's so funny yeah so like eventually i know i'm gonna sort of do that trip in reverse and i definitely want to take my time uh when i do do that because yeah yeah. it it's something i wish i got to appreciate more when i did it but Mm -hmm. i was sort of in a weird uh rush on behalf of the studio at the time right right yeah i did the same thing i drove out there just in a straight shot and then uh, when we came back, we did like a six-week road trip and hit up all, just camped in all these national parks, the Grand Canyon and Mesa Verde and all that shit. And that was so much fun. Like, we always yeah. talk, we always talk about how fucking cool that was. Yeah, I finally got to go to the Grand Canyon at Christmas time this year. I was visiting family in Phoenix, and then on the way back, I was like, I'm not gonna go home. And I went to the Grand Canyon and got a campsite and camped in my car uh, for New Year's. Wow. And it was pretty dope. Was there snow? Is there snow there? I forget. Um, no, but it was cold as hell. Yeah. There may, there may as well have been snow. 
Yeah, I can't remember if it ever snows there or not. That'd be insane to see it snowing there. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Probably not. It's probably too hot. Yeah, I mean, it definitely got to like 20 degrees at night. So. Oh, wow. I guess it could then. It definitely could. Yeah, it's funny when you go to the Grand Canyon, you realize that, like, you could just fucking walk right in that thing. Like, you got to kind of watch out. Like, you wouldn't want to be yeah. walking around there at night. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, my dad went and he got a book of, they have a book of everyone that's died in the Grand Canyon <laughs> and how they died. <laughs> it's, like, super crazy. Like, just cars have driven into it. And, like, a kid just riding his bike, like, rode into it. Like, these are terrible, terrible stories. Damn. Yeah, it'd be so sad, dude. Your kid just fucking falls in there. You're like, fuck. Yeah. This upside is your life would become easier, though. You would. Your life would be a little easier with one less child, so. Wow, that sounds like you've thought about it. <laughs> just give him a little nudge. Hey, uh, yeah, go, why don't you, uh, it's getting a little dark out. Why don't you go ride your bike over there? Yeah. <laughs> That's parental humor. That's a little parent humor for you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so wait, backtracking a little bit to camp, what, was there something in your camp experience that, that made you want to do that stuff? Like, did it kind of like start your engine? Like, did it motivate you more? Like, what was the, was, was it like a catalyst for that or just coincidental, the timing and just the trajectory? Um, definitely a catalyst cause you know, the thought was there because I, had, I was already, you know, invited by the studio at the time. Um, and, like, I think they had actually called me, like, a week before I was going to camp, and I was like, I'm going to go live in the woods for a month. And they're like, oh, that actually sounds cool. Uh, let us know when you come back. Yeah, wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think just, like, hearing your story about how, you know, you sort of refused to leave initially because you were like trying to do your own thing right and then eventually you know you sort of had this plan to like oh, i'm gonna buy land so i'm gonna go out there you know set like a year limit as to like when you want to be there and save up some money to sort of come back yeah and, you know buy land or you know do whatever with that money yeah um so i think that really was super motivating um, as I said, there was like some stuff going on at home that eventually no longer became an issue and, um, you know, for better or worse, but you know, that kind of stuff was like, okay, I don't need to feel as obligated to be at home. And also like I had a talking with my parents about certain things and they're like, you know, I don't, like there's certain like I'm not going to get into super details, but I tend to be I tend to take on more responsibilities than people necessarily think I should. Uh -huh. Just like a mental thing of like severe empathy. I, I don't really know what it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, my parents are like, "Yeah, we can take care of ourselves. If you have to go out and do work, like go out and do it." Yeah. And so you know, that was also like a sort of final kick yeah yeah that's cool uh -huh. 
Yeah, I remember when you arrived, and I remember your parents kind of like pulling in, and you were getting out, and you had that giant trunk or whatever, and like you're in the driveway, and I just remember them kind of looking like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, just like I was like, "All right, you just, yep, just carry your stuff up the hill," and they were just kind of like, "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they can be a little bit more apprehensive. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I remember Chang's mom didn't want him to come year one. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Chang Christensen, shout out Minecop, and uh, they didn't. They, his mom didn't want him to come, and then like Caleb's mom, uh, uh, shout out to Bitch Hog Power Hog. Um, he, Caleb's mom like called up like, and this was year one. There had been nothing like this was still just like leading up to year one. So like, <laughs> I don't know what possessed Caleb's mom to do this. But she, like, called up Chang's mom and, like, said, like, no, this is going to be great. Like, she talked Chang's mom (laughs) into, like, letting him come somehow. It was, like, so crazy. So big shout-out to Caleb's mom. Um, What is her name? Cynthia Harrington or something like that? I don't know. I've never met the woman. Yeah, shout-out to Caleb's mom. I've never met her. No, actually, I did meet her. I think she came and picked him up. I think I wasn't here when they dropped him off, but I was here where they picked him up. Um, but shout out to Caleb's mom. She's a art teacher. She's like a high school art teacher. I think maybe that's why she got it. And she was like, Oh hell yeah. So, uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah, definitely. I think in the beginning, probably lots of, uh, apprehension from parents, probably my parents too. were like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) They probably thought it was a terrible idea. You're inviting a bunch of strangers to camp on your property with your new baby. Like what? Uh, that's hilarious, man. Uh, what are your other, what stands out? What are your memories of, so you've been, you came to camp and then you've been back several times, uh, as a, as a visiting, uh, scout during yeah. camp, right? Mm-hmm. I've made two, well, I've made three virtual appearances for the years that I couldn't and or thought I wasn't coming. Yep. Um, and then I came back. For the first time physically in 2015 for like almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I came back again 2016 for like I want to say a week. It wasn't like super long. Mm-hmm. And it was like the end of camp. Yeah. Um, last year I was at another residency, so I wasn't able to physically show up. Oh, right. That was the residency in, where was it? Iceland or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. That was fun, and huh? I got, and I got into that because I told them about Ghost Camp. <laughs> like, they're, you know, they that was like part of my um, application of saying, you know, I, I spent this time out in nature, and I've also, like, continued with, like, the community aspect of it. Cause like I run the, the Tumblr. Right. Right. Yeah. You run the ghost scout Tumblr. Um, and so like they were really into that. And then also like my own work was, yeah. um, I would imagine a more important factor, but they, they had pointed out that they liked the idea of ghost camp and my involvement with that. That's cool. Yeah. That's so cool, man. I love it. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like really a thing now. Yeah. Um, and what, what, do you have any memories that stand out about camp? Things that made an impression on you, crazy things or just whatever? Um, 
I mean, shout out to the dogs. Shout out to the dogs. R.I.P. Banksy. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like Banks and Keenan. Um, fun times with them. Uh, Bronson, shout out to Dick Solo. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michelle, Mama Geddon attended with her dog the first camp, so that that's what we're referencing. Yeah, and. I mean, that's the thing, because, like, obviously we can't talk too much about graduation, but the thing that stood out to me the most that, like, Bronson broke out of Michelle's tent. <laughs> yeah, came, us, came and found us deep in the woods. Came and found us deep in the woods and did all of the graduation rituals with us. Yeah, that's true. Which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so... I got a lot of respect for that dog. Yeah, that's true. Big shout outs. Big shout outs. Um, I mean, I burned my finger the first day of camp, and I still have a nice hole on it. Oh, that's and, right. And that's that right. Yeah, you had a rough first day. You like got here, and you like were setting oh, yeah. up your tent, and it was like somehow a fiasco, and it was like, wasn't it getting well, wet, or was it raining? What was going on? So. The tent set up no problem. The thing was, it was like a family tent that we had for like 10 years. Oh, yeah, it wasn't and, waterproof. And the waterproofing wore off. <laughs> yes. So that first night it rained yes. and the whole thing flooded. <laughs> yeah. So that was like a miserable start. Oh, that's terrible. There's nothing worse and, than being in a tent that's getting wet. Yeah. Well, especially because like I was on the floor too. So it's just like, yeah, it was a whole mess. And so, like, I was able to order another tent to have it shipped, like, a week later. But also, when I was setting up the new tent, I was, like, trying to fuse some rope. And the, like, plastic rope, like, melted onto my finger. Oh my and God. that, like, you know, you're in the middle of the woods and you got, like, a possibly third-degree burn. Yeah. And the only thing around is, like, a hole in the ground where we're getting our drinking water from that's, like, cold. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't really put it in there. So I just kind of had to deal with it. But that made like all the labor stuff kind of hard when you only have one hand. Right. I think not everyone was like fully aware of that. And like, I think there was some hate towards me yeah. <laughs> for those first couple of weeks. But once we had like a day off for your birthday, I think like I finally, you know, f sort of recovered. Also, I was fucking out of shape. Yeah, you I, lost like twenty five pounds at camp, right? Uh, I lost like thirty five pounds. Damn, dude, that's so insane! In a month, you lost thirty five pounds. That's more than a pound a day. That's insane, dude. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, I, I mean, it's definitely it was part of the exercise. It was partly the heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also my diet, because like I basically only ate what I brought with me. I mean, I was eating three meals a day, but like I wasn't eating the crap that I was eating like my final year of college. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember so, what do you remember what your diet was at camp? Um it was mostly nuts and trail mix and tuna and I had like backpacking meals that you're just like you just boil water oh that's so funny so yeah it's all like super streamlined and probably more low carb stuff yeah so i was like basically living off like backpacking food oh that's so funny yeah that's right i remember that now and so 
it's like it's funny because like I did lose that weight, but then I kind of was able to like maintain that for a bit until I moved out here, and then I was doing the same shit that I was doing senior year of college, where it's like I'm sitting in a place all the time, and I eat, but I'm not necessarily going anywhere, and so like. I sort of gained not all of that weight back, but I gained some of it. Yeah. And then when ADHD closed up and I was to become a freelancer, I decided like, okay, I really like, I know what kind of worked for me back at camp. Obviously I'm not going to be like lifting logs in the middle of Glendale, but <laughs> you know, if I could at least sort of, you know, go walking on a daily basis and cut out certain carbs and stuff from my diet. Um, I also, and probably the only person still using Wii Fit on the Wii U. <laughs> nice, nice. In which, you know, I can kind of like track um, my weight through that yeah. and my steps. But I've been able to sort of maintain that because like when I went to camp, I was like just teetering on like 240. Wow. And now I weigh 163. And Holy shit, dude. That's insane. Yeah, and I've been able to maintain that for like two years yeah that's so awesome man that's 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 like there's major props for that because i know a lot of people have trouble with that yeah and i would like i i say like every time like if it wasn't for ghost camp i don't know if i would have figured that out yeah yeah and so like even beyond the art aspect of camp like as much as i dislike the physical aspect of it like yeah. those first couple weeks mm -hmm. it sort of you know was eye-opening yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's something that's overlooked by a lot of artists, and I, and I that's why I really like to have camp and do all the physical stuff that we do because I feel like a lot of artist types fit into that. They just see themselves as a non-athletic or a non... They don't, like, be, be... You know, it's not part of the stereotypical thing of an artist to be fit and exercising and all that, you know? So yeah. I like introducing that into the paradigm and... uh because there's no doubt about it. I'm sure you feel so different without carrying around all that weight. And just even like the days that I do exercise versus the days that I don't exercise, my energy level and everything is so noticeably different. It's insane. Like you're really a different human when you exercise. And uh, oh. yeah, I mean, that's why I love camp because I'll fall out of my routines too. You know, it's really hard to maintain perfect consistency on workout routines and and eating healthy and all that stuff. I mean, I, I put a big emphasis on it, but I'll still slip around and, and <laughs> you know, you go somewhere, you go camping or you're whatever, you know, I can break it up. But that's why I love doing camp every year because it reminds me, like, right now I'm, like, just getting back into it. You know, it's like it's that right. perfect reminder. It comes around every year and it kickstarts you back into it, you know. like And for us, yeah. too, it's like the winter I'll be a little less – uh, you know, I don't really run in the winter time. You know, I'm out walking in the woods, but I'm not running because the snow's so deep. Um, right. So yeah, then spring comes around and you gotta start running again and all that. But it's good to have camp to to remind me of that and and just see that we were running up. We took our first run this morning at camp and we're nice. we're uh, doing the layups. We got your we got your chain net up there on the hoop, the uh, Jared Weiss Memorial chain net. Honor, <laughs> honorary chain net on the basketball hoop. I was just say, don't make a memorial. Yeah, it's not a memorial. It's like honorary. <laughs> honorarium. The Jared Weiss honorarium chain net. Put, dangle a little plaque from the bottom. Um, yeah, so that's fun. So we're looking uh, 
Definitely looking forward to lots of running, lots of layups, get some kickball going. Nice. It's fun, you know? And I think it makes people feel more childlike, too, to just be out getting exercise. Because every kid is always running around. Wolfie almost never even walks. He's always just (laughs) running everywhere he goes. Like, we go to the grocery store, and he's, like, running sideways and running all around. I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God, man. This is crazy, dude. All energy. All energy. Um. Yeah, one of the, so you've worked on a lot of shows here out there. You know, I thought it was interesting because we've been hearing from Kent, we've been hearing from Mark Osborne. Um, obviously, we've heard a lot from other people living out in LA. But you're out in LA, and you are just doing the whole studio shuffle, going around working on different projects. And uh, now, yeah. is your plan to come back at some point? Is that what you're saying, or you're you're like, what's your vision of your like like how like I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about your experience out there doing that kind of Hollywood animation lifestyle. And then, you know, do you have a vision of, you know, of, of where it's going to go or what your kind of, what your dream scenarios would be? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest factors is, um, most of the projects I've worked on haven't lasted for like more than a season or two. Right. Which you know, not everyone like lands in Adventure Time. Right. No, I know it's it boggles my mind to think about that I was there for three and a half years and like what it's I still, like the work I, that I did. Like it's just like it's, it's like it hit the fucking jackpot. Like some people do their whole careers and you know don't get to design like the icon the world for an iconic show. Like it's so weird that that, that everything and especially going out and get fired first and like just how it all happened is like so crazy. Like. Just yeah. shows how weird it is. Even when you have a plan and all this stuff, you really never fucking know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely, you know, there's no formula to how yeah. this works. Yeah, there really isn't. And, and so, like, when ADHD originally contacted me, you know, they were like pitching it as like, yeah, we're a new studio. It's run by Fox. We're gonna have like a block on Saturday nights. But also we're going to make like, you know, shorts, you know, with a small crew that, you know, stuff will go online like every week. And like that sounded kind of cool at the time. Mm-hmm. But then and I don't really mind talking, you know, quote unquote shit because the studio is closed. Mm-hmm. But, like you know, that wasn't what it ended up being. Um, you know, like in my head, like, oh, you and like your friends that we also invited are going to make shorts was like, you guys are going to come up with the content. Mm-hmm. What it ended up being was like, they had a writer that wrote almost all of their shorts. Right. And so like the artists never really had proper creative input. Mm-hmm. And I think that definitely like hurt the content. And eventually like there was a series that was just me and my friend Evan, who also went to SVA. Uh, shout out to Evan Borja. Shout out. Um, he and I got tasked with doing this uh, web series called OG Sherlock Kush, in which it was written by one guy, but we did all the boarding and animating. So for like 12 episodes, it was just... Like, whatever we wanted to visually do, we were allowed to, which in, like, the three years I had spent in ADHD at the time, like, never happened. Right. Um, So that was cool. But then shortly after, the studio ended. 
Right. Yeah. No, I loved that show. And remember, I was even like, dude, if this gets another like season, like talk to, I want to do backgrounds. Like I just yeah. love that show. It was so funny, dude. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Cause like I said, it was just me and Evan. And eventually like we brought in Kevin, uh, Inseong, AKA Tuna Roulette. Yeah. Shout out Tuna Roulette. Who I also went to SVA with. Yeah. Um, and it was dope, but no pun intended, but like, you know, it just, the finances for the studio were gone and that was it. Right. Um, but within that, I got hit up to do freelance design work for a Warner Brothers show, which was airing on Disney XD called Right Now Kapow. And so that was like my first union job, but from home. And I was doing character designs background designs and prop designs Wow! for that. Um, and it was just like, you know, they'd hit me up each week and give me assignments and I worked at my own pace and it paid well and it was super cool. Um, but that show only lasted a season. Um, but it, you know, it kept me employed for most of the year following ADHD closing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a test and got a job at Disney television for a show called pickle and peanut. But the way that show operated is that they hired people per episode, but you worked in house. Um, yeah. And so like I worked there for a couple months and they decided to not give me another episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that show also, got canceled after that season yeah so many shows don't last it's insane yeah um and so with that stuff finishing up i i mean if we backtrack a little as adhd was closing i started to develop my own stuff again which i hadn't made shorts since my thesis film um so like from 2012 to 2015 i hadn't put out any animation of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made an animatic for a short called Frog Dog Log at the end of 2015, which was something I started developing a little bit before camp, but I really like figured it out when I guess, you know, I visited camp that year. Um, and I finished the animatic and I was going to put it together but when ADHD closed, you know, that was my funding and I didn't have like a proper workspace at home. And so I just like, I started using my Intuos, but that sort of fucked up my hand because it was a bad setup and ergonomically just like wasn't good for my body to like work long hours that way. Yeah. And so I was just like, I'm just going to do the work I'm getting paid for and I'll put this off. And then I just started working full time again. And eventually, like that spring, I was at a party at a friend's place. And being the antisocial person that I am, I brought a sketchbook with me. And luckily, <laughs> uh, a couple of my other friends also brought sketchbooks. And we were just like drawing some random shit in the corner of someone's backyard. And um, I was just doodling some character. And my friend asked me, like, is that character's, is that, like, his nose? Or is that, like, a flap? Like, what is that? 
and I drew this big old schnoz with a, as a flap up. It's kind of hard to explain visually um, without visuals, but basically that was where Brazy was born. Right. Yeah, your your iconic character Brazy. Yeah, and so what? This is like yeah, this is 2016 now. So mm-hmm. like I was just really feeling this stupid looking drawing. And my friend was joking, like, you know, you should make, like, shirts or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make, like, at the end of this day, I'm going to make some shirts of this character. Yeah. And I did. And I just, like, sort of became weirdly obsessed with, like, drawing this character over and over. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make Frog Dog Log right now. I want to, like, do a short with this character and, like, you know, do something I've never sort of done before, which was like, it's basically a fully improvised animated short. Um, I, I have a musical instrument called the kalimba, which uh, sounds like this. It's a little out of tune, but <laughs> I I recorded like two minutes worth of just like, you know, free form playing the kalimba and then started to just animate to it without any like boards or anything in mind. Yeah. Um, and that's what ended up becoming the first Brazy short. And I, uh, put that out into festivals, put it online and it didn't like, hit like trans like transmission i think i just sort of got spoiled on my first thing because that got like a vimeo staff pick and like people saw that and that's how i got hit up for jobs Mm -hmm. um whereas brazy was just like i mean it's admittedly like it's a weird film like it's there's nothing like people ask me like what's the point of it it's just like i can't tell you what the point of it is it's it's interpretive yeah yeah well it's very much like it's like uh it's very it's it sounds stupid to say but it's very animated it's very much about the animation right it's like he's kind of flopping around to this music and kind of doing different movements right yeah i mean that's the thing it's like it's an experimental film right. that doesn't look like an experimental film right because like experimental films tend to just be like visually abstract right but as a whole process it was experimental and so it's just like it's It's almost like something you'd see on like sesame street or something some whimsical simple thing you know right yeah and like it's weird though because like it got into the new york international children's film festival which is like a academy qualifying film festival which was crazy to me at the time right um and you know it played at a few other children's film festivals but then like other festivals wanted it and they put it in their like experimental and underground categories Uh which is like it's really cool to me that you know this same film could be interpreted in totally different ways depending on the audience yeah yeah and i really like i mean that's something i I sort of seek out whether intentionally or just subconsciously, like I like to keep my work open-ended. I don't like to define um, 
you know, narratives or even characters, I like very intentionally don't want everything to be like, oh, this is like distinctly from a white male middle age perspective. Right. Because like it's not and it shouldn't, you know, just because like a protagonist looks a certain way doesn't mean it has to be interpreted that way. But I feel like by taking that whole visually human aspect out, it sort of allows people to just project whatever they want. Yeah. And that to me is way more appealing. And I don't think enough shows do that. I mean, and it's, it's weird cause it's, there's the converse of that where people are like, Oh, I see like a, you know, a character that does look like me that I'm not used to seeing. And that's really important. And yeah. I agree that is like, you know, inclusivity is super important in media because it, inspires people to do things when they're used to just seeing let's be honest white people doing it right um but i think also there's something that's it's it's hard to sort of explain it but like when that human element is completely removed but the emotions are still real um i think that can also be super helpful yeah and you know, connectable as well. Yeah. I think I just got that last word, but you know, yeah, it's like you're tapping into that deeper subconscious shared human experience that goes beyond the individual. Yeah. And so like crazy, I do refer to as a, he, and like part of me wishes I didn't, but like, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but like frog dog log, for instance, like all those characters, are either non-binary or non-gendered right um because in my mind i'm like how am i gonna gender a log right that's stupid like (laughs) because like there's certain films like say like pixar they put out like two shorts in a row where it was like umbrellas that fall in love or these two volcanoes that fall in love and it's like the fucking human the the male volcano is like a volcano but then the female volcano is just like a woman made out of rocks. And it's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. ridiculous to me that like it's, you know, 2015 or whatever that short came out and we're like still gendering volcanoes. Like yeah, yeah. that's bonkers. <laughs> like it's, it's just like, it's so bizarre to me. And I'd rather like the work I personally make doesn't add to those kind of weird stereotypes and cliches because like that stuff doesn't exist. Like to like a lot of cartoons, like they still represent female, like animal characters as like wearing skirts and bows. Yeah. And it's just like, how many actual women do you see wearing bows? Like that's not like how you gender somebody. It's like, it's so antiquated and I just, keep that out of my work entirely. Yeah. 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 I think that's cool. Um, but yeah, so like Brazy, I kind of went on a weird tangent there, but like Brazy became this passion project that I wasn't planning on. And, um, I sort of spent, like I made that film in two months, Mm -hmm. but since 
creating the character, I've also kept a brazy Tumblr and Facebook that have posted work every day for two years now. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's just like a constant feed of like, there's no rules for what brazy can do other than like not change his facial expression. Right, right, right. (laughs) And so like artistically, like if I want to experiment with like recreating David Bowie album covers, but with brazy, I'll do it. If I want to like, you know, make brazy out of, cookie dough i'll do it and i've sort of i love the like free form aspect of that of like it can be anything and because of its simplicity like i've never had a character that was so versatile like that yeah um and so like i started like some experimental things where it was like halloween that year and i was like if somebody makes crazy out of a butternut squash like if you can make a jack-o'-lantern of this character i will send you free art yeah and i didn't i didn't think anybody would hit me up yeah because he's shaped just like a squash yeah yeah and so like you know i just put it out there and like a week later somebody sends me a photo of like an actual brazy jack-o'-lantern and i just like lost it yeah Cause I was just like, that's crazy. I mean, it's like not fully on the same level as ghost camp, but it's just like, you put this like weird idea out there and somebody follows through. It's like, it's surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like after that one, another one came in and another one. And so like, you know, it doesn't cost me much. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's, it's a sketchbook page and like 50 cents to mail it. Like, I don't mind doing that for, you know, somebody made a fucking brazy jack-o'-lantern. I will send them free art. Like yeah. that's the cool. <laughs> that's so cool. I love the interactivity of it. Yeah. And so like the next month I was just like, how about this? Like if somebody makes like baked goods out of brazy, like I'll do the same thing. People did it. Yeah. Um, and so now I have this thing called the brazy exchange where, if you make brazy out of anything that's like not just like a pencil or you know digital drawing, just because you know it's that's really simple in my mind because yeah. I know how simple it is. But if you like do something that's out of the ordinary, I will send you free art. And so like somebody has made brazy out of snow. Michelle got a brazy tattoo on her body, which is still insane to me. That's so crazy. That's awesome. Um, and you know, like people have like somebody messaged me the other day. It was like, if I make a painting, uh, does that count? I was like, you don't have to do that, but if you want to, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, it doesn't happen as frequently as it did when I had like themed events. Cause I think just like the open endedness is just like maybe too vague. Um, but it's, it's always out there and I, you know, people send me stuff. I will send them art, you know, you know, no question. Yeah. Um, I think cause like a lot of times my feeling is with art is that it becomes, or at least interpreted as like inaccessible for some people. They're like, you know, if I want to buy prints, it's like 50 bucks. Like I can't necessarily afford 50 bucks. Like, 
and like you like an artist, you want to support them, but it's you know some people just don't have fifty bucks to spend on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and so like my my feeling with the Brazier Exchange is like if you dig my stuff, I will. It's like it's a barter system. And so, like, there's no money involved. There's no taxing involved. It's an exchange between two people that are trying to make something. Yeah. And so, by them making something out of Brazy, that then gives me something that I could put into that daily feed. And also, it makes me draw something to send to them, which also adds to that daily feed. And they now have an original piece of art that they could not have gotten otherwise. Yeah. And I personalize each one. It's not just like I have a stack of these lying somewhere. Like each crazy drawing is drawn specifically for what they made. And I write a letter on the back. Damn, dude, that's exclusive. People listening got to hit that up. The Brazy Exchange. Um, and so, like, that aspect is really important to me. And it's also something... Like, it sort of falls in line with, you've had Tight Jeans Mocklinson on the show, um, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I had spent a day um, volunteering on his farm that he managed back in Jersey the last time I came home for a ghost camp. Yeah. And I, like, spent the day, like, kind of picking his brain about like, the farming process, because that's always been of interest to me. And then, like, his transition from art into farming... Right. which he went over on the podcast. Yeah. And like the thing that stuck out to me then and also when he came on the podcast was like he didn't want to keep producing things that were destined for landfills. Right. Um, and, you know, just producing for the sake of producing. And I've felt that way even before he said it. And it was just like really like inspiring to hear somebody else, you know, say that. And so like – that's my thing with Brazy is I don't want to just like make random merch and stockpile it in hopes that I'm going to sell it or like, you know, make all these prints and hope that I'm going to sell it. You know, I have like a shop quotes that's like, it's a print on demand thing. Yeah. So it doesn't cost me anything and it's not like a waste of materials until somebody actually wants it. Right. Um, and so it keeps that, you know, carbon footprint, if you will, low. And also, you know, everything that gets made is personal. Yeah. And for me, that's like a really important aspect of Brazy that like, I won't ever sell the character for, you know, I'm not going to pitch it to anybody. Like I've had some people from studios, like ask me like, you know, what's the deal with this character? You're looking to pitch it at all. I'm just like, no, like, yeah, it's the whole thing that started as this like weird accident and then like a prank on myself of like, yeah, I'm going to just sell shirts out of this thing, <laughs> you know, it just like became this whole new philosophy. Um, and it just allows me to sort of artistically experiment, but also um, sort of project my ideals of like how art can be appreciated and attained um, by, so, you know, anybody. Yeah, I love that, man, because there's so much of just commoditizing of art and just, you know, 
just how can I make money with this? How can I make the most money at it rather than what do I really want my artistic career to be about? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think like it's it's like weird being in a place like L.A. and still doing commercial work when I have those feelings. It's like I know I'm dealing with the system that's in place because at this point that's how I have to get my savings at least. Yeah. But, you know, come down the line, like I don't have a solid plan because this industry keeps changing. Yeah. But I would love some means of like making a barter system work while still having an income from doing other things. Mm -hmm. Um, You're doing it on the micro level. That's cool. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing. It's just like, I, it's, it's something that has to start small. I can't just like, yeah, let it develop organically. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that aspect is definitely important to me where like, I don't pay for advertising, um, if you see a brazy ad, it's because Facebook like sent me a message that they're giving me $10 credit and yeah, if they want to give me $10 for free, sure. I'll make an ad, but right, right. I'm going to purposely like shove it in people's face. Yeah. So what, so what do you, what, what do you, do you think you're going to stay in LA for a while? What's your, do you have a vision of like where you want to go next? Um, well, since making that brazy short, I've made at least a film a year. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, last year I made a pseudo-sequel called A Message for Brazy. Um, and I also made a brief short called Hog and Fog, which was, like, a reworked other idea. Um the whole timeline of my shorts is so messy that I'm not even going to get into it on the podcast. But basically, <laughs> Frog Dog Log should have been made first, yeah. and instead I made a spinoff before the actual film. Right. Um, and, like, Chris, the guy that scored Transmission, was originally involved. He did, like, a track for the original version that I ended up not using, and Frog Dog Log became, like, a weird... When I re when I reworked the film, it became more personal than I had intended to. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's about making films. It's it's like it's like an overly meta thing. Yeah. But I'm glad that I finally did it and put it out. Um, but yeah, so basically, you know, my goal now is to at least make a short a year, yeah. which I'm on track to. I have another film or two planned. Um, and I'm also, I'm currently working on this new adult swim show called laser wolf that is show run and created by my friend, Henry Bonsu. Um, he's on the internet as Henry the worst on Tumblr and Instagram. If you want to check his workout, it's super dope. Um, and so right now, like I'm the lead storyboard artist on that show. So I, it's 10 episodes and I have, co-boarded eight of them at this moment wow um and so there's two more left and it probably won't end up airing until next year i would assume Mm -hmm. um i've seen the first takes of the first two episodes and it's funny it's visually unlike anything on tv Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see like 
weird things I've boarded come to fruition through somebody else's hand because I'm so used to being self-dependent yeah. when it comes to animation work. Like, you know, I'm making short films completely on my own unless somebody helps out with the music, but even I end up doing that. Um, and even like with ADHD, the episodes I boarded, like we were told to like board in a style that didn't match the show. And then like those episodes kept getting reworked even after the animation level. Like it was kind of a messy situation. Um, and so like, I've never boarded anything for TV that like I was able to see what I put into it actually come to like the pickle and peanut episode I did. They ended up having somebody reboard it after I left, but then it got rewritten again from there. And so when it finally aired on TV, they didn't credit me, but the original ending that I wrote and like did like a Morgan Freeman voice in my pitch for like, they got somebody to like do it verbatim and I wasn't credited and it's a weird thing, but you know, it's just like, this is the first show where I feel like everything I've wanted to put in is on screen. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great feeling. Like I don't really get major notes from Henry and that's also like, I've never felt so trusted in a show before. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when it comes to TV, like it has, you know, like my storytelling, I mean, I haven't, I'm not the writer on the show, the, it's a script based show, but visually whatever I've wanted to put into it is there. And that's going to be really cool to see. Um, once it actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I love your approach of, uh, like doing the, doing the shorts to promote your work, like that. You're not just like doing pitches and sitting on them and you have like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I have like six pitches ready to go, but you're like, oh, I've made like five shorts. You know, it's like, it's so much yeah. cooler that you have this thing that's out there. It's its own living, breathing artwork. Um, that you got to go through the process of completing and, and figuring it out and, and, you know, overcoming whatever challenges are going on, you know, in the artistic process and, right. uh, and, and, and finishing it and getting it up there and people can enjoy it. You know, that's such a, I love that model of getting work is just to prove it, you know, prove it rather than to pitch it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. And I think like too, that was something that didn't really hit me. Cause like when I was doing all that stuff after college of like sending transmission all over the place, like it got into a lot of festivals, but I wasn't like working with enough money to be like, to go visit them. I maybe got to go to like three or four out of the 17 I got into. Um, whereas like now I submit to a lot less, but I make way more money. So you know, like I've gotten travel opportunities from making my own stuff that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Like that residency in Iceland I got because they really like Brazy. Yeah. And you know, like I had to put on like a one hour or so like presentation about my work and philosophies and stuff. And it was centered around Brazy and a message for Brazy. Yeah. And like I went into a festival in Mississippi back in February and it was 
the first festival I've ever encountered where they actually paid for like, they didn't pay for the flight, but I got that super cheap, but they paid for me to stay for three days. They paid for transportation. They paid for food. Like that's crazy. And that's all because I made some like weird two minute short on my own, you know, like that's so dope. Like there's, you know, working at a studio and just being an animator, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I find like, especially like the places where you just animate, like they don't tend to treat animators as like artists with voices. They just see them as a tool, which is really unfortunate. Right. And so like, unless like you can prove that you can make things elsewise, like people aren't going to seek you out. Um, you know, yeah, you might be like, it might be really easy for you to hop from one studio to the other to just animate. But if you actually like want to express your own voice, like you got to just put it out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with like with laser wolf, the adult swim show, you know, I was friends with Henry from ADHD, but he didn't ask me to board until he saw my shorts and he was like, you know, I want you to sort of bring this kind of voice to the show. Yeah. Um, so that definitely has afforded me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten if I was just doing tests and waiting for, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's really good. I think that's, and, and, you know, I, I think it's a funny thing too, when people are in the animation industry, and, you know, they get on a show and they, you know, they have their work going and then they, you know, are able to get a studio job and then they just stop making their own stuff. You know, they you can't find their work anywhere. You know, they're just kind of a technician for studios now, you know, whether it's even if it is a creative thing, I think it's so important to always be making your own work, you know? Yeah. And that's that is what happened to me those, you know, three years after college. Yeah. It's just you know, I was doing some illustration here and there that I was posting online, but I really wasn't producing finished work. Yeah. And at like sort of aided to the depression, which also aided to, you know, weight issues and all that stuff. So it's like by being productive physically, I become productive artistically and, you know, it's more or less worked out. Um, yeah, it's, like the thing that's the thing too is like with festivals it's definitely an antiquated thing um you know like i don't i wouldn't say like oh make films for festivals because like you're going to get hit up for work like that's definitely unrealistic it's it's more of a thing of just like if you want to like at this point i use it for travel purposes yeah in, in a way, you know, there's definitely networking when you go. Like mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. met a lot of cool, like live action people and animators um, from doing festivals. But you know, generally, I've gotten hit up more for work by people seeing my things online than they have seeing it at festivals. Right. Um, but at the same time, like I just screened at um, in Minneapolis. There's a like, I guess it's like their biggest fine art museum, uh, the Minneapolis Institute of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, they hit me up because the Minneapolis St. Paul Film Festival 
our children's film festival, I don't remember, they had screened Brazy. And so the museum hit me up and they're like, we have this event going on. Um, can we screen Brazy for the day? And it was just like, yeah, totally. You know, like that's such a crazy thing that my work was playing in a fine arts museum. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, and so, you know, it's, yeah, it ends up mostly being for exposure, which, you know, that's definitely the harsh reality of short films is they don't, you know, produce money. Um, but you do it because you want to do it. Like for me, it's, it's all, it's like, that's my creative outlet. Like I tried to do comics in college and I still want to do some comics, but like my brain has worked for like a fully watchable interactive thing. You know, that's what I like to make. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to make short films and if I can put them into festivals then I'll put them into festivals and put it online. But I know like I'm not necessarily going to make money from that. So I have to do other work in order to support that. Yeah. Um, I'd love to somehow make money off of it, but I wouldn't want the money aspect to outweigh my creative freedom. Right. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of artists don't, they're so eager to make a living at being an artist, which, you know, can definitely be tricky as we know. Um, but they never stop to think like, at what point, you know, is it, am I, am I selling off my creativity? Like when do like, like I'm making money at this, I'm getting validated. I'm a successful artist, you know, uh, but, but wait a minute, am I actually like, uh, expressing myself creatively in the way that got me into wanting to do art as a career, you know, like I think sometimes they forget, uh, that, you know, there, you really need to be in creative control of your career, not just simply working. Um, yeah. unless, unless like, I don't know, maybe some people just aren't creative, but they like to draw other people's stuff. I think there's definitely those kind of people out there. Sure. Um, but I think it's gotta be the minority. I mean, I think if you're, you know, you got into art because you have ideas, you want to express yourself, you want to come up with original content and, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's so important for people to stop at different points in their career and go, is this really what I, how I want to be spending my creative output? You know, right? Yeah, I mean, because like I like even like starting from high school, I was like classically trained. I had a really good art teacher in high school that you know taught me how you know like illustration, painting, pencil drawing. And like we even did airbrush at one point, like I learned everything. Like I got my foundation that I should have had in college in high school. Wow, that's cool. And and so and this is like a public school. Yeah. Which is crazy because like after we graduated, they like slashed all the funding and you know, Lord knows what their department is like now. But you know, that's why I went to SVA because at that time most of the other art schools were like, you have to take a foundation year. And I was like, well, I already know I want to animate. I can already paint. And, like, why do I want to waste a year for so many dollars when I could go right into the major that I want to go into? Oh, wow. So do they they offer foundation, but it's just not required? SVA doesn't – they have the foundation year, but it doesn't apply to film and – film, video, and animation. Gotcha. 
So if you want to go into film or animation, you can go right into it. If you want to go into fine arts or cartooning or illustration, um, then you do have to take a foundation year. Gotcha. Um, I mean, granted, I didn't have like the greatest of teachers my first year and I ended up teaching myself a lot of things, um, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, through that, like, I taught myself Flash and started to, like, do my second year work in Flash, whereas, like, a lot of people graduated and never even touched the program. Yeah. Because, like, you know, everything is sort of depends on the professors you get or what electives you want to take. And, you know... I was lucky enough where I had teachers that required um, a film either a year or per semester, mm-hmm. you know, granted it might just be a minute, but like that whole process got me into, you know, being my own director and being my own animator and all that and not having to rely on, you know, other people yeah. for animated work. Whereas like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go into it because I just feel like there are some other schools where like they're just trained to be animators and they end up being great animators, but their filmmaking is sometimes less coherent or is less like cleaned up. Yeah. I I don't like not specifics, but um, you know, there's definitely sometimes you see a student film where it's like, Oh, this looks great but I wish it didn't sound like just you and your friends in a dorm room. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like I, I've made it a point to like, if I can't do every aspect of it, right, then I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, and so that's actually what's like sort of stalling me on my next film because it's something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And I won't get into, I'll keep it a mystery. Mm. Um, but yeah, the next one I want to do is, unlike any film I've done prior. Nice. And, so a juicy okay. mystery from Mystery Sack. I, um, I'm sort of slowly going through the motions and doing research of how to do it, and hopefully it will be made come next year. Um, but, you know, if I can't make it this year, because there's still plenty of time left in 2018, um, I'll at least have all the parts ready in order to make it. Sweet, dude. That's exciting. Yeah. I like, that's the thing too, is I don't like making like my process visible. I like to just put stuff out when it's ready to go out. Right, right, right. Um, which I don't know. It's like, it has its pluses and minuses. Yeah. Like, but do you put, do you put process stuff out afterwards? I'm trying to think. Um, I do. Um, although, I don't think any of my animatics are online. I uh, think eventually I want to put that stuff out. Yeah, it'd be cool um, to see that. But like Frog Dog Log, like I made a Instagram recently where if I put some like periodic development stuff up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the first time where I'm really like making a behind the scenes kind of, um, you know, feed of, you know, the different aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel uh, like with social media, that's be people are getting more and more hungry for that kind of content. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like, I'm very slow to adapt to social media. Yeah. Um, like I didn't have a Facebook until I was in college and I didn't have an Instagram until like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't like the aspect of treating my work like it's a product. Like I very much dislike the word content. Yeah. Cause it just sounds like another word for fluff. Right. Um, you know, like I, like I make, like it sounds a little pretentious, but like I make artwork that has like a thought process behind it. And I'd rather you see the finished work than to take the mystique away by seeing it at every phase. Right. Um, also sometimes the process isn't, isn't that interesting. Right, right, right. <laughs> For some people. And it's just like, Instagram has such a weird etiquette of like, if you post too much, people don't follow you. Yeah, it is really post. finicky. It's so funny. It's really finicky. Yeah. Like if you don't post that often, people will unfollow you when you do post. Yeah, yeah. It's just oh, like I, I haven't seen a post from this guy in a while. Unfollow. Yeah, and it becomes this thing of like I've learned to sort of step back and like not be super invested into that aspect. Yeah. Because it's just like the more you think about it, the more it just stresses you out. And I'm also at a point where like I follow just my friends or people I know on social media i don't really tend to follow other artists because i like to just be inspired by my own doings and not necessarily by like styles that are trending or stuff like that yeah i feel the same way i mean i've i've kind of been like i'll follow art that i like on instagram now but yeah i mean i always say like the people that i really follow and and get inspired by the most are all you guys you know it's like all the scouts all the people that i know in real life and like we have a a relationship and a creative exchange and it's like there's nothing more inspiring to me than that you know seeing friends and scouts and stuff leveling up and pushing their shit and uh that's always just the most inspirational yeah for sure dope cool man well we got to wrap this up uh we got an hour and 20 in the books here and the uh i gotta go up and uh share the we're gonna do a work share we're gonna see what everybody's been drawing today today's been all day drawing nice. so um it is uh 4 i'm a little late i'm gonna jump up there and take a look at the work word go scout training camp the first work share which is exciting <laughs> So, uh, so where can people find you? Where can people find these uh, wonderful animations we've been talking about? Obviously, I didn't say it, but obviously, I'm a huge fan of your animations. I think you're one of the you know most most fun and exciting animators that I personally Thanks. know. So uh, it's really cool. Um, so my Instagram is jdweiss25, which is a W E I S S. Um, then. I'm pretty sure my other, all my other social media is my full Jared D. Weiss name. So it's like I have a Twitter for that that I don't post to very often. Um, I have my Tumblr and my Vimeo. Um, I don't have an artist page on Facebook, but I do have pages for Frog Dog Log and Brazy on all social media, which are It's Brazy. That's the brazy stuff. And then frog, dog, log, hog, fog is the frog dog. <laughs> nice. Long, but it's because frog, dog, log was taken on some social media, whereas the full one was not. So I oh, wow. put that. It's just, you know, it's words that rhyme, so it's kind of hard to trademark. Right, right, right. That's funny. 
Yeah. Sweet, dude. Well, this is great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm glad we finally finally nailed it down. Yeah, the summer schedule's been so insane with Wolfie being home and uh we've had all these we've been we just did a big camping trip for a week and then I had to come back and scramble and try to get everything. It's been ever since Wolfie got off break, which was right I think when we started talking about doing the pod uh i think he's been off for about three weeks it's just been fucking insane trying to nail down a time where we can do this so yeah but uh yeah man this is awesome this was fun word yeah and hopefully because we both have like sort of deep throaty voices like maybe like an asmr experience for some people (laughs) oh god yeah i have limited knowledge of that and i want to keep it that way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my only my actually my only experience with it is greenstone doing it i didn't know what it was and he was doing them and posting them and i was like what the fuck is this and then they're like oh that's a thing and i was like okay i don't want to see any more of this it's <laughs> <laughs> very strange <laughs> but you know it's good it's also good Mm-hmm. Um, sweet dude. Well, uh, any parting messages for the listeners out there all over the freaking world? It's so crazy to me that like right now, like the, one of the guys, one of the scouts, uh, or one of the cadets, I should say is from India. And mm. it's just so wild to think he's like super into the pod. And it's so wild to think that there's people in India listening to this podcast. <laughs> like right. It's so crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Um, yeah, I guess in parting, I would just say, you know, don't undervalue yourself as an artist, you know, ask for what you're worth and know what you're worth and, you know, question because you can't get answers if you don't ask questions. Boom. Parting knowledge from mystery sack. Sweet dude. All right. Well, we'll click over and, uh, wrap it up off the air, but, uh, thank you once again. Thank you. See ya. All right, there we go. Thank you, Mr. Mystery Sack, for jumping up on this podcast and sharing some of your creative stories with us, some of your journey with us. You know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about, there is no one way to be a uh, professional artist. You know, there's no template. You really have to have to make things happen for yourself. And it's so interesting to hear how how different people take different routes to get there and uh, create different opportunities for themselves. And you know, they're here at the right time. These things are happening for them. And then sometimes stuff's drying up, and you have to figure out how to generate more interest in you. And and uh, I love it. Jared's out there. He's right in the middle of it, mixing it up. Right there in the big leagues in fucking Hollywood. In the big, hot, sweaty, meaty lights of Hollywood. Just dripping with Hollywood juices. Um, But yep, sorry this episode took so long to get to you. Um, But it's here now. And uh, we are just going to be jumping right into uh, some podcasts at Ghost Scout Training Camp, I'm pretty sure, for the next couple of weeks. We'll see how it plays out. Definitely want to get some rowdy um, uh, group cadet pods going. I think that'd be really fun. I know for a fact uh, that they all have some crazy stories to tell us, some spooky stories to tell us so that's what we love on this podcast just people telling fucking crazy ass stories you know we love it so we're gonna get a little bit of that going 
Um, let's see. Um, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you're not already. Uh, don't forget to um, tell a friend to tell a friend about this podcast this week. You know what I'm saying? Share this episode with one of your friends who you think would appreciate it, who, who they would get pumped up about it. They would get psyched up about it. You know, that's what we're about is about spreading that inspiration around the globe and just being a little extra, just a little nudge, you know, a little, one little stepping stone on the path of people going, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go and try to try to follow my creative destiny and see where it leads me because it's going to be a fucking amazing journey, you know, and that's how I know I'm going to become the person I want to become. So we're the voice out here reminding you that it is your life. You know what I'm saying? You're the only one living it. So get out there and get in and mix it up. You know what I'm saying? Um, of course, we got patreon.com slash Um, If you listen to this pod every week, if you look forward to it, if you are missing this podcast and its absence, uh, you know, in, in, in getting this episode to you late, then you should definitely go over to the Patreon and show some love. Peel off a dollar per episode, $2 per episode, $5 per episode. Um, we got all kinds of, we got early access, we got beef stew shout outs, we got marinated steak tip shout outs, we got, it's the ultimate place for uh, Goshram fans and fans of the podcast, you know, and there's going to be a flood of behind the foreskin minisodes coming in uh, from Ghost Scout Training Camp. And uh, come along for the ride, come along for the journey. Um, let's see. So we're going to get to these juicy old shout outs, um, from the people who, who, uh, who pledged for the last episode, who supported episode 43 with Max and Dalton. Wasn't that a fun one? These, it's so much fun to have all these kids up in the woods here, fucking sharing work where everybody's just showing the stuff they've been working on all day. And it's all so inspirational. It's all about having a creative community in your life. Even if it's just in, in, in bursts, you know, in, in you know, you, you maintain these friendships online and then you get together, you know, as much as you can and boom, just set off a nuclear creative bomb. Boom. And just get so hyped. You know, I know everybody up in the woods is super psyched and just looking at what everybody's creating around them and feeding off of that, you know? Um, and uh, speaking of speaking of that creative community, we've got three spots left in uh, round four of the 12-week online group workshop, which, which is popping off in September. So you can get that on the on at GoshamGlobal.com. You can you can buy a spot, snag a spot. Don't miss it. This is the the last workshop that's going to happen this year. Um, so if you want to get in on that, if you want to, uh, you know, take your creative career to the next level where, whether you're just starting out, um, and, and really trying to establish a career or you already have a career, but kind of want to take creative control over that career. You know, there's a lot of people that's, that have been signing up for the workshop in that part of their, you know, just, just smack in the middle of their career, but they're like, mm, you know, this isn't the work I really am passionate about. How do I redirect, you know? And that's been a really fun surprise to uh, get people like that in the workshop and, and have them really feeding off of it and getting them into that. It's all, that's what it's all about. It's about your life. It's about your art. It's about your voice as an artist and what you want to accomplish 
Um, and I think Jared talked super eloquently about that for himself. I love his take on that about not just wanting to create content and, uh, you know, really being true to his voice as an artist. I think that's so cool. You just, uh, you don't hear enough of that, uh, out there in the commercial art world. So, you know, I'm all about that shit. We know Jared's all about that shit. I fucking love it. Um, but if you want to, uh, jump into that workshop, don't delay sign up because when those spots are gone, they're gone. Um, and, uh, and then once you're out of that group, you know what I'm saying? Where, where, when we're in there, it's weekly vid chats, it's fucking, uh, weekly hype vids, it's weekly assignments. You know what I'm saying? One-on-one vid chats with me every week, uh, really chopping it up, really creating friendships. And, you know, I mean, not a coincidence that there are four people here from the workshop as ghost cadets this year, you know what I'm saying? So really creating real bonds and, and really building creative communities that go beyond just signing up and taking someone's workshop this is some real life building shit y'all you know we like to go deep we go right into the fucking deep end you know it listening to this podcast we go deep you know we keep it real we keep it raw we keep it hype Uh, above all we keep it fucking hype that's why we're gonna get up at 6 a.m tomorrow morning and fucking work out to jock jams every motherfucking day yeah you know so let's get to these patreon shout outs so big uh shout out to everybody who supported episode 43 um coming in at the top at that five dollar marinated steak tip shout out that will be also shouted out in the full behind the foreskins episodes on youtube um, but at the five dollar level, we got the girl from Maine, Erica Melhus from the Norway Brewing Company. You know what I'm saying? Talking about getting together, hanging out this summer. It's gonna be amazing. I'll get to drink some of the beer I did the label for. Check out their shit. Go to their go to their brew pub. It looks fucking everything looks insane there. I can't wait to visit them and just chow the fuck down. Um we got another $5 contributor, Johan Elverby. Big shout outs. Get yourself some marinated steak tips, you know. Uh, another $5 contributor, Yvonne Santiago. Get yourself some marinated steak tips and dip them in that beef stew, you know. Get that marinated steak tip dip in sauce beef stew. Um, another 12-week online group workshop alumni at the $5 level, Sarah Ball. Big shout-outs. What up, what up? Uh, big shout-out at the, at the beef stew level at the $3 going above and beyond. The beef stew level starts at $2. We got a couple $3 contributors because some people say, fuck it, I can do my own thing. I'm going to go my own tier. $3. Uh, we got Zeta. Big shout out to the homie. Um, fellow Oyster River alumni and fellow Pratt alumni, Raphael Tanghall, coming in with that $3 support. Much love to you, homie. Hopefully this is keeping you hyped and making you think about, mm, how can I scheme on fucking doing some ill shit? Because I want to see more new work from my man, Raphael Tanghall. 
Uh, we got over in New Zealand, Free Foothead. Shout out Daniel Foothead, aka Ghost Scout Sports Magic. We're missing you, brother. Free Foothead. Hashtag Free Foothead. Uh, we got shout out to Uncle Terry. Get yourself some beef stew, my friend. Big shout out to guest of the pod, Mark Osborne. Keeping it hype. You know Mark Osborne's always keeping it hype. Uh, big shout out to the reigning, defending, Ghost Scout training camp, year six champion, John Mansfield, a.k.a. Beard Lips. Get that trophy ready. We're going to need it in a few weeks. Big shout out to another vegan Ghost Scout computer person, a.k.a. Lermy. Big shout out. Cheer. We got some more beef stew going out to Devin Newman. Get yourself some beef stew. Another alumni of the workshop. Big shout out to Johnny Glines. Friend of a friend, friend of a scout in Denmark. We've got a shout out of beef stew going out to my man, Try Man Hunt. Uh-oh, big shout out. Can he hear me up in the woods right now? Ghost Cadet Alexi Giroux. Big shout out. Chilling up in the National Forest. Actually, they're in town right now, grocery shopping. Uh, big shout out to Arguably Art. Big shout out to Counselor Kent Osborne, nominated for 11 Emmys. I guess Adventure Time just got nominated for another Emmy. Holla. Uh, big shout out to your favorite stop motion animator, not to mention my own, Anthony Scott. Vegan beef stew for you, my friend. Big shout out to Waste Zord. Get yourself a bowl of beef stew. Big shout out to Dewan Gordon. Big shout out to one of my favorite comic book artists and people, guest of the pod, Jesse Boynahan. Get yourself some beef stew and share it with Michael Garcia. So, 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 see you later. Michael Garcia later. Big shout out to Shambe, Shambe, Shambe. Uh oh, another ghost get at. Big shout out to Chris Murray. Big shout out to Counselor Bark the Dog. Damn, this posse rolls tight. This is deep, dude. So much crossover. I love it. Big shout out to Michael Broncado. Big shout out to Ryan Sims. Get some beef stew in your life. Big shout out to Jesse Premier. Get yourself a a a a a a a a a motherfucking bowl of beef stew. Another ghost cadet. Big shout out to Steve Winfield Meyer. That'd be funny if they were walking up the hill right now, and he's like, "What up?" Uh, big shout out to Gerard Jones. 
get yourself some beef stew and ladle out some for your homie spook novel damn another cadet shout out to Dalton star get yourself some beef jerky beef stew big shout out to Jesse Kukukadoni <laughs> Keenan's doing some shout outs too. Uh, big shout out to Curse Gift. Another workshop alumnist, Alejandro Fuentes. Big shout out to Alec Wright. And last but not least, big shout out to Ethan Worthington. Get to that beef stew buffet and do not leave until your your thirst, your meaty thirst is satiated. Uh, of course, big shout out to all the $1 members because every single dollar is appreciated. This really allows me to spend time on the podcast every week, almost every week, um, and uh, bring you the behind the foreskin of, of what I'm doing, what I'm working on, of the Ghost Scouts, of all the shit that's going on. You know I love sharing it. I love getting people hyped. love getting people inspired. love spreading the message that... You don't have to you don't have to know what you're doing. I'm a fucking total fuck up and all I do is just say, "Hey, what's the coolest shit I could try to pull off? Hey, let's try it." Worst thing that can happen is it is it doesn't happen. And then you go, "All right, let me try to think of something else. What did I learn from that from that information that that didn't work?" You know, bang bang bang, get it going. Um so that is dope. I love it. I love spreading the message out there. Um, of course, you know, I want you to get those dry erase boards out there. Here's the ladies coming back. Shout out to babe. Shout out to Junie coming back from the grocery store. What's up, Junie? <laughs> Everybody's getting shout outs on this podcast. Um, but of course, get that dry erase board going. Get that weekly planner going. Um, really take the time in your life to, to create a vision of your future. Try to really figure out who you want to be, what you want your life to be about, what you want your... What do you want to spend your best creative time doing? Um, what are your creative passion projects? How can you make those happen? How can you be a, be a catalyst, be an active agent in pursuing your destiny? Um, all these things, you know, that's what we're here to remind you of, to hype you up about. You know, and of course, when you're out there doing your thing, uh, you know, make an effort as well to just hype up and inspire the people around you. It, you know, encourage them to do the same damn thing, to follow their passions, to use their intuition, um, to really make a life full of things that are most personal to them, that interest them the most, because that is the way towards if there is a utopian possibility of future you know, there's nothing pure, there's nothing perfect, but that is the direction that humanity needs to go in because when people are happy, when people are fulfilled, they don't have time for the drama. They don't want to start fucking bullshit with people. You know, they're not going to be looking for those conflicts, looking for those divisions. They're going to be looking for that common ground to unite and to come together. You know, it doesn't matter if people don't think like you, don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't come to the same place as you, don't worship the same gods as you. You know, we still have so much in common, so we got to focus Focus on that, and I truly believe that human beings are creative animals living in an infinite universe where everything is possible, and we just need to unlock that, to push into that creative aspect of humanity, 
um, and really with uh, with the idea that that we can we can have a world where people have equality of opportunity where if you want to go make something for yourself that that is possible we have a world where we encourage one another to follow our goals we support one another to follow our goals you know start in in small groups like the workshop like the ghost scouts recreate these things in your own life you know um, because that's going to continue to expand and and spread and exponentially grow and you can influence things you really really can because like i said last week everybody wakes up every day with a with a clean slate of how they're going to behave that day you know so what are you going to wake up tomorrow and do for yourself for the people around you for your community for the world at large because we're all in this together there's no such thing as teams there's no such thing as sides we are all in this together everything else is just bullshit everything else is just mainstream media trying to confuse you and take advantage of you because ask yourself, who benefits from that? Who benefits from that? Who's consolidating the wealth in this world when we play this game? You know, it's not worth it. It makes no freaking sense. So let's fucking ditch it. Let's change this paradigm. The paradigm is always shifting and changing. But who is in control of it? Who is going to spend time and, and effort influencing it? You know, I'm out here doing it. The Ghost Scouts are out here doing it. We're all trying to create a better world for every single person on this planet. You know, and no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, I encourage you to do the same, you know. So have a very productive week and stay positive, stay productive. And be fucking, just, just, just put in the hype to get other people going. All right? Peace.